0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagedSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Brillian, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC has got an absolute banger of a card this weekend, UFC 274. We're headlined by a pair of title fights, one for the men's lightweight title, one for the women's strawweight title. We'll, of course, be breaking down those two fights, as well as one of our other favorite fights on this main card. As part of Fights Dogs and parlays, where I'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, as always, we're bringing you guys the interviews. Kicking off the show this week, Brandon Raw Dog Roy vaugh getting ready for his fight with Matt Danger-Schnell. Plus, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to go with some more PFL action this week. We've got Ray Cooper III going for his third $1 million grand prize on the 2022 season of PFL. And he's talking about what it takes to do that and where he fits amongst welterweights in the world. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettor, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to Vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, each and every UFC card, I've got your guys' bonus pick that you can only find on the Top Turtle MMA page at and Better Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Brandon Royval, who fights Matt Schnell at UFC 274. That fight is on May 7th. So, Brandon, before we get talking to about that fight with Matt Schnell, I want to talk to you about coming off that big win over Rogerio Bonturin. After a couple of really tough losses, one that involved kind of a freak injury, you're back in the win column. How important was that for you, and how big of a moment was that for you in your career?
1: Yeah, I mean... uh I've never been on a two-fight skid, and I don't really even consider that Moreno fight a skid because uh, that happened first round. I was on top of him, and uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of like, kind of what ifs with all that, you know. Is it, it uh and I, I went in that like fight super compromised, anyways. But uh, that being said, is yeah, was, I, I wanted a, I wanted to finish, man. I wanted to make a statement on him, and uh, I wasn't able to do it. So the next thing I wanted to do was, uh, was uh um um get a quick turnaround man I wanted a quick turnaround with Matt Snell and uh I will or just a quick turnaround with anybody in the in the top 10 everybody seemed kind of booked up as soon as that fight was around but um uh, Matt Snell like the next week had a fight drop out and I was like perfect that'll be a good opportunity to fight him within the month ended up being a little bit longer than I expected but uh that being said it's still a quick turnaround for me so I was happy to get that
0: so, so you mentioned in there, too, that you, you were a little bit compromised going into the, the Moreno fight. I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit and tell us a, a little yeah, bit yeah. about what was going on.
1: I'll expand on it. Uh, uh, all of it is uh, within the last year before, like, uh, w- like when I started in the UFC, is I wasn't, being a, like, I wasn't able to train. I couldn't grapple. I could kickbox a little bit, but uh, my right arm was so messed up that it would, like, pop out. Like, if I was throwing a jab and someone else threw a jab at the same time and our hands touched, my shoulder would pop out of place. And, like... So I went into that Tim Elliott fight, uh, yeah, compromised, super compromised. That Kai Car France fight, I couldn't train at all. And then we we're like, right after I beat Kai Car France, uh, that Moreno fight, Moreno had Alex Perez drop off, and I was like, all right, that's a number one contender. Might as well just do like three cam- or two camps in one. And I was just like, all right, cool, we can just do a quick turnaround, and two weeks later or three weeks later, have another fight. And uh, then then I knew I was pressing my luck, anyways, and uh, it happened in a fight and just dislocated it. You could even see in the middle of the fight, like I knew how to pop my shoulder back in, and my coach knew how to pop my shoulder back in. So, like, in the middle of the fight, I was trying to pop my shoulder back in, but he was punching me in the face. And uh, I don't know, I, I was always that, like, what if that, like, one second, one second goes by. Because you called it at uh, four minutes and 59 seconds. If one more second goes by, my shoulder is able to pop my shoulder back. Uh, my coach is able to pop my shoulder back in, is like, it leaves a lot of what ifs, in my opinion. Absolutely, and obviously that's a fight you'd like to see back. Now
0: you also mentioned in in there too that you know your your fight with Bonteri you were really going out there looking for a finish. It winds up being your first decision coming into the UFC. W- what was that like for you when you were waiting for the judges calls? And, and actually one judge weirdly had it for Bonserine. Was was
1: that nerve wracking for you? Um yeah, it was super nerve wracking. Honestly, I, I've uh I've only won uh one decision before that, and after that like all, all my career has been finishes you know so it's never really been in the judge's hands and i like to keep it that way because uh i don't like having in the judge's hands at all i like uh i like having all the power to myself you know what i'm saying and uh i, I don't know it was, it was a weird fight it was really close and uh i just didn't i didn't like going to that decision anyway so it, it was uh i don't know it, it was nerve-wracking it i lost a year off of my life waiting for that uh between the between those uh the last call out of who is gonna win the roundup, like shit. Like what's gonna happen? <laughs>
0: well and, and in your your previous answer too, I, I did want to mention you you mentioned the name Kaikara France and that's maybe one of the hottest names in MMA right now. He comes off of a huge win out for Askar Askarov and now is seemingly a number one contender in the division, although obviously it's a little bit weird at the top right now, but what is it like seeing a guy who, who you beat pretty easily, uh, you know, you a guy you finished with a submission now knocking on the door of a title
2: shot?
1: I mean, it's just securing what I already know is just that I'm the best in the division and that I can beat any of these guys any given day. He, uh, but like, like that being said, is I was really happy for him. I was happy to see him, all that success for him and uh, see him win those fights. When that Cody Garbrandt fight was really, really amazing and impressive. Maybe not impressive because I don't think Cody Garbrandt is as good as people say, but like, it, it was, it was a big deal, you know. And you're uh, being a former champion, a weight division. That was a weight division up for you, and it was a huge division, or a, a huge, uh, a huge thing for our division, but it was also huge for him, and it it, it was cool, man. But it also just confirms what I already know: is I'm the best flyweight in this division.
0: Well, and, and and you mentioned too, you know, you wish you had the fight back with Moreno, and I gotta sort of ask the the flyweight division being in such a weird spot right now, one one and one between Figueredo and uh, Moreno at the top. What do you think should happen at the top there next? Do you think that it's primed for a fourth fight and, and maybe, you know, you and some guys like Kai Kaikara France get to fight it out to see who's next?
1: I mean, I, I would, uh, I don't think if I beat uh, Matt Snell, I'm getting the title shot next, but I also don't want to see them fight four times. It's like, the, the division has been held up two years. Neither one of those guys are the best in the division, so it's like, I don't know, we're just wasting our time today. day. And then, on, honestly, I think, uh, gave it since two, two, one on Moreno. So it's like, I think we already seen that fight play out. Um, the first fight was good. The second fight was pretty good, too. It, it was nice, like, uh, nice to see Moreno win the title. That was really cool. And then the third fight, I think, just was kind of boring. And uh, the third and fourth round, or fourth and fifth round sucked. Like, they, none of them were really pressing the action until the last minute. And it was just like, I think everybody's over the fight, including those two. So it's just like, let's move on. Let's see some fresh new faces. And let's just see who's real king of the division because I don't think either one of them are
0: and, and if that does happen in, in the way that you want it to and Figueredo perhaps fight somebody like Kaikara France, I've got to imagine a win here over Matt Schnell Brandon Moreno's got to be a name that's on your lips am I wrong
1: yeah yeah that's the I mean if I I, I don't know who else I would be able to call out in the top five I, I think I've been paying my dues I, I'm gonna fight Matt Schnell and then I fought uh am fighting two guys lower ranked than me I, I'm ready to fight someone back in that top five and uh Prove a point, and I'm ready for a title contention fight, too. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, I needed some time to recover, and I definitely rushed that Pantoja fight. I I came back uh, it was a six-month surgery, and I came back at exactly the six-month mark and fought. So I was only training for like a month and a half, which was like really dumb. But uh, I was pretty confident in my abilities. That being said, it it is, uh, yeah, man, I I don't know. I I want to fight some of the top five. Uh, I want to fight in a title contention fight, and I don't really care who it is. It's just... Uh, I, I want to know who it is. I, but, like, also, I just need to know who it is, too, because, like, nobody knows what's going on in the division. Like, what's happening? I don't know who's fighting next. I don't know who's fighting the belt next, and uh, I don't know.
0: Well, one of the things we do know is that you are fighting Matt Schnell next, a fight that's not happening too long from now. So let's talk about that fight. Schnell, a guy with a kind of a ton of submissions like you, but as of late, also similar to you, has sort of been trusting in his striking more, right? Like, he, he's kind of liked his hands more often, do you expect him to do that with you though i know you prefer to
1: see a striking matchup
0: do you think he's going to want to stand and trade
1: with you i mean i don't i really don't see where he wins this fight to be honest um i think that's a good option for him uh, i think he's pretty technical on the feet and i'm not saying like he's a bad fighter he does everything really well he's really technical on the feet his jiu is slick but it's just like my jiu-jitsu is way nastier than his and i'm just way meaner and i think i'm way better on the feet too so it's just one of those things that like I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I would get curious about everybody. Like, Kai French is shooting double legs on me. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that, that dude's a pure striker. Like, I'm not surprised. I think everybody in the division is going to shoot on me at this point in, in time. And I wouldn't expect anything uh, anything less from Matt Schnell. I think he's going to try to strike with me these first rounds. And then uh, the m- maybe, at, like, late in the first or somewhere in the first, he's going to be shooting for his dear life that round.
0: So then that usually leads me right to my, my final question, which is I like to get a prediction out of every single fighter I interview. So you think he's going to be yeah. shooting for that takedown right at the end of the first? How
1: does this one end, then? It's going to end with a submission, bro. That's exactly how that's exactly how all my fights end. Is I start beating the shit out of someone on the feet, they shoot in, and then I submit them. That's, uh, that's the way I like to do it.
0: All right, right. well, we are looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Brandon Royval, who fights match now at UFC 274, that fight on May 7th. Brandon, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, cool. Have a good day. Bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Brandon Royval. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby vreeland joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, UFC 274 this weekend. So there's no reason to talk about last weekend or the weekend before or fight bookings in the future. This card is
2: is stacked what's your favorite fight from this card oh mg uh put a guy on the spot why don't you i like so many fights on this card obviously the main event is a banger of a main event we'll break that down in a second i'm intrigued by rose and carla you know i'm i'm picking rose for sure without getting into like a huge breakdown on it but carla Sparza, the wrestling is always there she's a tough fighter i don't love her you know personally from her days on the ultimate fighter or necessarily her fighting style. Um, but she's a game challenger in some ways. And then Chandler Ferguson is great. Uh, so the top three on the main card, but then you want to go down through the the prelims and you have so many good fighters fighting on the prelims too. Uh, Brandon Roy Vall for one, uh Macy Chase on so uh I'm interested in Blog Ivanov. Uh so I don't know, man. I, I'm just pumped for this entire card. Yeah,
0: and I I'd like all the ones you said too. Macy on versus Norman Dumont is like a low key banger. I love Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams. Like and, and like you said, Blagoy Ivanov, the dude just took a beating from Derek Lewis and just kept ticking. So you you always gotta see what that guy does when he comes out. And we haven't even mentioned Donald Cerrone's fighting Joe Lozon on this weekend in a fight God, that I'm, I'm, circuit. I'm pretty sure that fight happened 12 years ago and also has never happened. So, uh, yeah, exactly what you want to see on this type of card. So let's, so let's get to it. All
2: right, let's get into it. Uh, you know, actually I do have to say, I love the idea of like throwing at an MMA nerd, like did this fight happen in 2014 and with any combination of Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone, Joe was on and just, Trying to figure it out in your brain, and you yeah. might be right. Like thirty two percent of the time.
0: Add Nate Diaz to that mix, because he's, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of in some of those fights from that same era, um and maybe like Diego Sanchez or something like that. Like, like, right.
2: Maybe Cole, D- Cole Miller. Throw him in the mix.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did Diego Sanchez fight Cole Miller in 2013? Pro-
2: probably. Gun- <laughs> yeah. Gun to my head. That sounds like something that happened. I don't know. All right. Let's get on with our favorite segment on the show. It's Fights, Dogs, Parlays for the loaded UC 274. But Gumby, before we start breaking down fights, giving dogs uh, that we like and parlays to play, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social.
0: M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast, whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial arts, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh, so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps.
2: All right, so we'll start with the main event. Uh, Charlie Olive's a minus-165 favorite. Gaethje, a plus-145 dog. Pretty close odds in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess you could say Charlie Olive's is almost trending to two-to-one favorite. But this is a very close fight. Uh, It's going to be an exciting fight, even if you lean heavily on the fact that Charlie Olives is probably the better all-around fighter and might win. Um, This is a close fight. Make no mistake about it. And Charlie Olives is trying to defend the UC lightweight title uh, for the second time in a row. He, of course, won the belt after Khabib retired by beating Michael Chandler, who we'll talk about in a bit. Then he uh, defended against Dustin Poirier. Poirier had his moments. That was back in December of 2021, so five months off and now back. And defending against Justin Gaethje, who, uh, you know, speaking of Khabib retiring, he was Khabib's retirement fight, got absolutely sauced with a triangle choke uh, that started in Mount. Uh, that was back in October of 2020. But then he came back and won a banger of a fight against Michael Chandler in November of 2021 to get this title shot. He's going to stay in the UFC If he loses, he's going to put on amazing performances, but it's also fair to say two title fights in the span of two years, uh, separated by only one win. It would be a long time for him to get a title fight again, even though he's so exciting. So in some ways you might want to say must win who you got. I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira.
0: Um, I was actually kind of surprised to see him as a favorite here. I think he should be a favorite, but I, I did think people were going to be all about Gaethje. The thing for me about Gaethje is how he lost to Habib. Don't get me wrong. Plenty of guys have lost grappling matches with Habib. Plenty of guys have been beaten up by Habib, and Habib has taken him down. But when he was down on his back, he really looked like he had no answer for the grappling. And I don't just mean that, like, you know, Habib swarmed him or whatever, but he was, like, kind of, like, flat on his back. Like, the passing through the guard seemed easier than usual for Habib. You know, he like didn't have to, like you know Dagestani handcuff him and throw a bunch of punches and he was just like he he sliced through the guard like butter which isn't actually something we say about Habib all that often and then a mounted triangle choke which is also like not a Habib-esque move here so we're we're talking about him now going in with a guy who's yeah maybe not the wrestler Habib is but probably a better jiu-jitsu specialist than Habib is and in fact definitely a better jiu-jitsu specialist than Habib is so I've got even less faith that Gaethje deals with it well if it hits the mat. Now, granted, it is a little bit harder to hit the mat, which is why we see the odds closer. But, yeah, I, I think this is Oliveira's fight all day.
2: Yeah, I, you broke it down perfectly. It's exactly what I was going to say. Oliveira, if the fight, if you told me Magic 8-Ball, you know for a fact the fight is hitting the ground, then Charles Oliveira is an 8-1 to one favorite. He's a seven-to-one favorite. He's going to he's gonna win if this fight hits the ground. Getting it to the ground, easier said than done. He obviously doesn't have the takedown prowess of Khabib. Always interesting when we break these fights down, right, Gumby, because we'll say, oh, someone's such a good grappler. But there are many different types of grapplers. You know, you could be great at submissions, but have trouble taking people down, i.e. most jujitsu people. Ha, 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 LOL. Um, and you could be someone like Khabib, who's great at taking someone down, and then it's a different style of punishment on top, not necessarily going for a submission, though it ends up that way after he's just battered someone for a round and a half. And then they, you know, end up giving up their back or whatever the case may be. So that being said, yes, if it hits the ground, Oliveira huge advantage. That being said, if this stays on the feet and we get into a whack-a-mole or, you know, a whack a what's it called? A rock sock robot situation, then I could totally see Gaethje, uh, Getting a win here, and you know that could be worth your dog money. But head to head, I like Charlie olives as well. All right, let's go to the next fight, which is Rose Nami a minus 195 favorite to Carlos Sparza, plus 165 dog. Rose lost her title to Jessica Andrade, uh has won three fights since, including a KO head kick uh, over Zhang Wei Li to win back the UC Strawweight Championship and then defended in a split decision win back in November of 2021 against Whaley in the rematch. And now she's fighting Carla Esparza, who you talk about interesting careers. Carla Esparza back in 2018 lost back-to-back fights to Claudia Gadelia and Tatiana Suarez. Since that time, she's reeled off six wins in a row uh, over the likes of Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, Yan Nan and Marina Rodriguez coming off a big TKO over Yao Nan, which is nice to see because she's not really known for her finishing prowess. More of a take him to decision and kind of grind-you-out fighter. Who you got here? I'm going to go with Rose Um,
0: You know, like while I really like Carla, and I, I think her wrestling plays against just about anybody still in the strawweight division right now, my, my big problem with her is, as far as winning this fight is that Rose is probably better at jujitsu at this point, right? Like she, she has progressed so much since their first fight. And she's also really began to master distance. Um, working with Trevor Whitman, her boxing has gotten so much better. Her kickboxing has gotten so much better and the way that she controls distance for me is going to be a problem for Carla Esparza. It's going to mean she never gets any, you know, she doesn't get on the inside at all for those takedowns. I'm going to go with, with Rose Namajunas here. I think she gets it done, uh, over a five round decision.
2: Same Zs. Michael Chandler is a four minus four ten favorite, a four to one favorite over poor Tony Ferguson, a plus three ten dog. Tony Ferguson has seen better daisies on a three fight losing streak, albeit to the tops of the division. Lost to Justin Gaethje via TKO. Lost to Charlie Olives via unanimous decision. Lost to Vanille Darouche back in May of last year. Now, I think it's good. He hasn't fought in a year. This is where you can start a turnaround. But doing it against Michael Chandler, not the easiest thing to do. Chandler, same thing, on a two-fight losing streak. But it's a much different two-fight losing streak. His loss to Justin Gaethje, that was a back-and-forth affair, a fun fight. Lost to Charlie Olives. Okay, you lost to Charlie Olives in your title fight. He beat Dan Hooker, Benson Henderson. Before that, um, Benson Henderson, that was in Bellator, mind you. Tony Ferguson, on the other hand, you'd have to go all the way back to June of 2019 for his last win and October of 2018 for the win before that, and that was over Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis. One guy shouldn't even be fighting anymore. The other guy isn't even in the UFC anymore. So quality of competition obviously favors Chandler in recent fights. I'm amazed that Tony Ferguson is still even in the top ten. That's insane to me on a three-fight losing streak and just not looking good. He's also one of the older fighters in the division at this point. Try being in your upper 30s at these lighter weights. We talk about it all the time. He's 38 years old at 155. Good luck going on a run right now. I don't think his win streak or the road back to the top starts with Michael Chandler. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say this. I, I think at the price you see Tony Ferguson at, I, I think he's maybe a, a value underdog play here. I, I don't think I would be all over Michael Chandler at like a four to one number. But I will say this, like you know, Tony Ferguson's decline is there. It's true, it's real. Whether or not it's as bad as people are making it out to be. I think that's sort of debatable. I think maybe he has not quite declined as badly as people think. He's faced some really tough competition here. And, you know, like, even when he was the guy we all thought was unbeatable, you know, he was beating the Kevin Lees of the division and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, like, I think he's good. I think he is definitely declining. And I think Michael Chandler is a bad matchup for him. Like, Charles Oliveira took him down and just held him down nonstop for 15 minutes. Like, Michael Chandler could definitely go that route right? Like just try not to make it an exciting fight and he'd probably win this. Now, that being said, if he mixes it up a little bit here and tries to throw with him, who's to say Tony Ferguson can't hurt him and sub him. That's why I like Tony Ferguson with the value play. But if you're, you're asking me to make a pick gun to my head, you take Michael Chandler here.
2: Yeah, same, same. And I think Tony Ferguson, you're right. Like the decline might be a little overrated in a way because of the tops of the competition, the top of the division competition that he's faced. This is a guy that could go in the PFL and win a few fights. But I think his days as a top 10 fighter are done. Underdog is Melissa Gato, a plus 150. This is our official dog of the week. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, I, I like her over Tracy Cortez. I know people are all over Tracy Cortez. She's very popular on social media and all that. But I love Melissa Gatto. She came out here and absolutely sparked Sajara Eubanks with a body kick. She looked really good in her debut prior to that. She is a fighter who I I really like the way she strikes. I think she's got a good ground game that we don't see enough of. And look at this. Tracy Cortez, a fighter who I think relies a little bit too much on her power and a little bit too much on her, her strength. And I don't think that plays well against Melissa Gatto. So, yeah, I'm going Gatto here over Tracy Cortez.
2: Our parlay to play, we'll wrap it up on this, is Fernie Garcia, a minus 180, and Lupi Godinez, a minus 200. Two two-to-one favorites, more or less, but pair them together, get your plus 133 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, I like Lupi Godinez over Ariane Carnalosi, mostly because
0: Carnalosi is just like a big power puncher. Godinez, a lot craftier than that. She shoots the takedown. She's got a great jujitsu game. Carnalosi, I think, could probably play defense off of her back for most of the fight, but I think that's unfortunately what she's going to be doing. And Godinez has also shown that she can like mix it up with people on the feet. Fernie Garcia, meanwhile, I love this dude making his debut against Journey Newsom he got he's got tons of power in his hands like he showed us on contender series Newsom takes quite a few punches likes to mix it up but is just not going to be as fast as fernie garcia so
2: yeah i like those 200 dogs plus 133 boom gumby this train is a rumbling down the tracks where do we stop next well we're going to transition
0: now to my interview with ray cooper the third two-time pfl champion looking for his third one million dollar contract in this year coming up and He's going to talk about that first fight coming up this Friday, right now. This is Daniel Gubby freeland and joining me today is Ray Cooper III, who fights Magomed Umolatov at PFL3 on May 6th. So, Ray, before we get started talking about the new season of PFL, i got to ask you about your second million-dollar paycheck. Did it feel as good as the first one? Is the, the first one always the best one, or is the last one always the best
3: one? Um. I don't know if it, it, it feel good just to um, get my rematch back and um, get the get the loss back I had from the first season. And, um, yeah, it feel good just to um, just to win again. So, yeah. Yeah, And, and I was going to
0: ask you about that, too, was, uh, you know, the fact that you had to fight an old foe, a guy who had given you one of your only PFL losses did that make the the win even sweeter, or was it just you know being able to to put a cap on a season is enough?
3: Yeah, to get the, the rematch back and um, right the wrong that I had because uh, I was coming off of a big wins in the first season. I was on a roll and uh, I just got stopped in the my tracks um, that first season. And um, yeah, it was a it was a wonderful feeling and yeah.
0: And so, you know, I, I have to ask, too, now, now you've put in two back-to-back championship seasons, like you said, a tough season before that. What, what is the hardest part of putting together an entire season here for PFL? You know, a, a, a fighting organization that asks you to fight a, a lot of times in a short period and against opponents you don't even really know are coming.
3: Yeah, well, I, I, I like the way the the, um, the season is set up. I like to fight. I like to fight a lot of times. I don't like to sit too long. Um when we had that one layoff of a year, it was kinda it was kinda um I don't know. It kinda like put me back a little bit from that from COVID when everything was shut down. Um but I love I love fighting. I love fighting six oh, five times a year. Not many fighters fight that much time. The more active you are, the more better the more um you you get paid and um the more active you are, it just keeps you it just keeps you um keeps you fresh. It doesn't get the the rust um you don't get so rusty staying staying um inactive. So um I like it. Well, it, and it certainly suits you quite well too because
0: like I said, you know since that layoff you've been absolutely steamrolling everybody. You're, you're now back to back with two 170 pound titles in PFL. It, is this sort of just the way you want to keep going? You know if you say you win this third one, you're you're three. Championships in a row, three million bucks in the bank. You know, like, is do you just want to keep winning the welterweight title as many times as they'll give it to you?
3: I mean, um, that's the plan. <laughs> as <a> of <long>, now, <laughs> mm-hmm. they keep if we keep going with this, I just gonna keep racking up, racking up a million dollars every every um, every year. Um, doesn't matter to me. Just um, I just love to fight, and um, yeah, staying active. I, I, i just love it i love the i love my job and uh, from when i was a kid i used to dream of fighting for a living and i'm doing it so um i'm happy well and i wanted to ask you about that obviously
0: you know your dad is is a piece of that but you turned pro 10 years ago right or or it's moving in on your 10-year anniversary that is a long time to be in the fight game and you haven't turned 30 yet like how do you look back at this past decade in in all that it's kind of I mean you fought legends you know Rory McDonald, Jake Shields you, you knocked Jake Shields out twice
3: like what has this past ten
0: years felt like to you?
3: Um only in the last three years I, I um I actually made some serious money um but from fighting what I lost I didn't know it was that long um <laughs> I really I really don't don't keep up with the time but. Yeah, um, I, I was dreaming of this since I was a kid. Um, watching my dad fight in the Blazer Arena. Um, watching my dad fight Jake Shields and, and all of that. That's where it actually started for me. When I saw him um, lose to Jake Shields, I was like, Oh man, this is what I like to do, I like fight this guy that beat my dad and um it wasn't a revenge thing, it was just a it was just uh I'm gonna do this one day and yeah, it's just I don't know, um it's, uh, it's just a blessing that I get to do this, and I thank God that he gave me this opportunity and the talent to do this. And, um, yeah, I'm I'll keep going till my body doesn't allow me to do it anymore. And uh, right now I feel the best I, I felt ever, so I feel good.
0: And you mentioned that only in the last couple of years since you've joined PFL have you really made enough money to make it a living what has that done for you, as far as your ability to train and your ability to put in good fight camps, and you know all the other pressures and things that go alongside of being a fighter who doesn't make a ton of money? Now you you can sort of relax on those things. What has that been like for your training?
3: Um, with the training, uh, I I don't need to do like side hustles. I don't need to work. You know what I mean? Like um, if you when you're fighting. When you're fighting in these um, regional circuits, you're not making that much money to support um, your family. If, if you do know, if you have kids or fight, if guys have kids and wives, you know what I mean. You gotta, you you gotta work. It's not you can't just you're not gonna be able to just fight for a living unless you're making your know, PFL money or UFC money or Bellator money. You know what I mean. You gotta you gotta do something. So um, when I first got out of high school, I, I was I was like bouncing around job to job and fighting at the same time. And, um, I had, I had, uh, I had my first daughter at the time. And then I, and then I had my second daughter. So I wasn't really making money fighting on these regional circuits, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there, but not like how I am now to really support my family. And uh, I have, I have five kids. So, um, when I made it into the PFL, it was just, um, it was just a lot of a lot of um, sacrifices I had to make throughout the years that it paid off and uh, just sticking to my, my goal and my dream just believing in myself that um, I was gonna make it one day and yeah it was just a, it was just a blessing.
0: Well and, and I was gonna ask you about that too you know it, it seems like a lot of your answers you know are, are geared towards you know being able to support yourself and being able to do this thing that you love for a living and and that seems to be the most important thing is is that the most important thing for you in the MMA world? Do you care about, you know, all the things people are out there talking about? You're you're maybe one of the greatest 170 years in the world right now, you know, being able to prove that is that important to you, or is it mostly just about, you know, like doing what's right for you, doing something you love and and making some money in the process?
3: Yeah, um, being just all the people that talk about all that all that stuff. I think I'm the best in the world already. Um but being able to prove it, it's just a, it's just a thing that we gotta, we gotta talk about with, with every, with everything, with the PFL and, and whatever the case is. But I believe I'm the best. Um, my goal is to always just push myself, um, just pushing myself to whatever the limits is. I, I, I don't put no limits on myself, but um, I, I think I'm the best. I think I'll, I'll beat the UFC champion. I think I'll beat the, the Bellator champion. I wish we could. Um, I wish we could fight inter inter promotions like how boxing does. That's that's how you find out who the best boxers and that's why they're making the money they make because they fight they fight each other. You know what I mean? So I wish that we could do that with the, the UFC and the Bellator. Um, we could just fight that kind of that kind of fight to see who's really who really is the best. So um, yeah, it, it is important to me to fight the best guys in the world and just to test myself, test my limits and yeah. Well, we hope to see that one day, but of course,
0: before we do, we have to see this upcoming bout, which is coming on May 6th. I want to talk to you about Magomed Umalatov. So he's kind of a hot prospect. He's kind of a guy, maybe not a lot of people know his name, but he is 11-0. And he has, you know, looked really good in PFL last year, what what are your thoughts on getting you know like such a tough newcomer with you know like you said you, you beat guys like Jake Shields and Rory McDonald. and and you know you you came back and won a second season now you're fighting a guy who's you know not as well known what what is that like for you and what do you think of
3: him? Uh, I really don't I really don't think of opponents or or whatever the case is with their with their whatever they did. Um, he's just of fighter. He's in my way. Uh, I'm gonna treat him as such. He, he's just in my way for another another um, title run. Um, I'm gonna run through him, just like I'm gonna run through everybody else in this division. And um, yeah. What? Well, what well, can you give us a prediction then? You're gonna run through him. How are you gonna do it?
0: And uh, come May sixth.
3: Uh, I always look for the finish. Doesn't matter what round. Um, I, I'm gonna finish him. But.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Ray Cooper III, who fights Magomed Umalatov at PFL3. That fight is on May 6th. Ray, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. Hello. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Better Than Vegas and Maroon Social. And we want to remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We will catch you then.